Thank you for tuning in. You might have heard me quite often mention, half as a joke, I know there's also a meme, that everything that is, almost everything that's wrong with the world today can be explained or can be the symbol of all everything that's wrong is the smoking ban. That the smoking ban has a dynamic which is way which goes way way beyond the fact that we cannot smoke in bars. And again, some people think it's a joke, but I don't think it's a joke because, in a way, it symbolizes how we view ourselves, how the state views us, and how we view our relationship with property rights and with our own individual agency. Why am I talking about the smoking ban again? Because New Zealand, the government of New Zealand, announced the most draconian smoking ban that the world has ever seen. So it started, smoking ban started as, well, we all can agree that we might want to have a small corner in a restaurant where the air doesn't stink. Yeah, people said, yeah, that makes sense. Or we can all agree that you shouldn't smoke in the airplane or you shouldn't smoke in the tube. And fast forward a couple of some decades later, New Zealand announced that everyone who is 14 years old and younger than 14 years old, they will never be allowed to buy cigarettes in their life. What does this mean? Is that this is going to be the last generation of people who will be able to smoke. So the idea is that there's going to be less and less and less smokers because less and less young people do smoke. Therefore, soon, smoking will be only be available to older people or people who are, it's implied at some point soon, they're going to die or something like that. So the plan is that progressively it's going to, the, 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 the limit, the age limit on which you're allowed to buy cigarettes is going to start growing so that, again, this coming generation will never be able in their life to buy cigarettes. Now, before we start uh, the analysis, obviously, I know smoking has killed more people than Stalin and Genghis Khan together. Smoking is very bad for you. Smoking is smoking, particularly smoking too much, is not a good choice. And yet, I will claim today two things. The first is that every smoking ban, as I already said, is bad in a way which goes beyond the usual bad things that the state is doing. And the second thing I will claim is that people who supposedly speak on behalf of freedom have been very, very, very bad when it comes to the smoking ban conservatives, liberals, including liberal think tanks. And I will explain why. So let's get back to Australia, to, sorry, to New Zealand. So as I said, no one under the age of 14 will ever be allowed to buy cigarettes. And at the same time, the price of cigarettes is going to start, uh, is, is going to keep rising. At the moment, it costs something like 17 pounds to buy a packet of Marlboros. And also, only 500, 500 shops in the whole country will be able to sell tobacco. So this is a major crackdown. And again, the plan is that within a decade or so, no one will be smoking in this country. And we also hear that there is an opinion poll in Australia which says that the, the, the population is ready also there for an, a, a complete ban on smoking. 
So it will be that many, a majority of people, more than 50%, want smoking to be completely legal. Now, what I would say here is that this idea that you can have a poll on this issue and that the population is ready should be met with absolute disgust and absolute anger. Because how would we feel if someone says the majority of the population does not want, does not want uh, I don't know, gay wedding or does not uh, want a divorce? We would say this is ridiculous. Why do we ask the majority what should people do in their own lives? And finally, we've reached a stage in human history where we can say no. People should be free to do whatever they want when it comes to their sexual life or their sexual preferences or their intimate relations. That's a great development. What is different when it comes to smoking? It has to do with something which is a voluntary interaction that either you have with a property owner when you smoke in their premises, or it's something, uh, it's a decision that only affects yourself or people who are around you voluntarily. Now, a discussion could be made about what is the effect on children, and we could be having this discussion, but this is not what is the focus here. The focus on the usual type of smoking bans, which is in bars and stuff, is that you are inflicting harm to people around you. And when it comes to banning smoke, smoking, as it happens in New Zealand to everyone, the idea is that you are harming yourself and this also has effects on others. So what makes a bit more complicated this issue then is the idea that your bad health has an impact on others. And here we see what is the true character and the true face of nationalized healthcare. Because we think that nationalized healthcare means that we all have a safety net and that there's no downside to it. But the obvious conclusion that we are to draw from the fact that based on the fact that your choices have an impact on others, this means that we can take away your rights, is that in the same way as your bad health now is a claim on others, in the same way, other people's whims and other people's caprices are a claim on your rights. So this is what nationalized healthcare is. It is this tango where people are intertwined together and you have to bear the cost for other people's bad decisions. And at the same time, you need to hope that the majority is not going to, or people who claim they represent it, such as the government, are not going to take away more of your rights based on the fact that your brothers are the ones who are going to bear the cost. So this is a true face of nationalized healthcare, and it's something which is very, very interesting. Now, is this going to work? This is the, the usual question that people ask. Is this going to work? Now, the obvious answer by people who, are, who know something about economics or how the wo world works, they will say no, because this is going to create a black market and uh, this is going to create uh, other unforeseen circumstances. This is going to create, uh, this is going to, to have outcomes that the government could not predict, but out, outcomes that will backfire. Now, this is very true. First of all, 
smoking will get even more of this aura of you're doing something very, 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 very bad. You're doing something very edgy. You're doing something very provocative. And this has been throughout time part of smoking's appeal, particularly to young people. But to me, this criticism that says that this is not going to work is a very bad criticism, although it is true again. And by the way, I think that New Zealand deserves everything that is going to come its way in terms of a black market, in terms of bad people and, I don't know, the mafia getting involved with with, uh, the trade of tobacco. Because throughout history, we see that when people want something and the government tells them, no, you cannot have it, we see that what we see is a rise in criminality. What we see is less and less safe options for people who want to satisfy their wants. So instead of having to deal with your with a grocery store at the corner, now you will have to deal with the gang guy down the dark alley to get your cigarettes. But of course, they don't care about that. And yet I keep thinking that this is not a good critique because this is the utilitarian critique, which says this will not work. And we see this time and again. When the government is doing something very, very draconian, the number one reaction by conservatives or by classical liberals is, well, our model show or past uh, experiments have shown that this is not going to work. Why is this a very bad reaction? Because it leaves unchallenged the premise. And the premise is that the government can have a say on your life. It tells the government We understand that you want to protect us and you have a role to protect us in terms of not protect our rights, protect us from our bad decisions or protect, quote, protect us from our voluntary interaction with other property owners or other uh, willing participants in uh, our bad activities. So you have a right to do that, but the results are not going to be good. And we see what the result has been. The result has been that the governments keep again and again overreaching. They keep pushing more and more and more and more the boundaries of what they are capable of doing. And we see that people, again, who defend, who want to defend whatever is left of our liberties, keep losing. That's why, maybe this is not too much on topic, but I would say, consider when consider who, do you, who you support. Consider that the the institutions or the organizations or the causes that you support, make sure that their opposition to the things that you don't like is a principled opposition. It's an opposition based on not on what will work and what will not work. It is based on what are our values and how are these values, how should these values be uh, defended? And again, conservatives who say our model so this is not going to work you are then conceding the principle to the government you're telling the government yes i understand that you could do that but please don't do it because it's not going to work so we are kind of helping you here we help you in this kind of paternalistic policies that uh, that you that you want to push forward and also let's remember something else when you say that there should be a law against smoking or against the trade of smoking. What you're saying is that I think 
the use of force and the use of coercion, potentially lethal coercion, should be applied. Which means that if someone wants to trade tobacco, people with guns should show up and say, no, you should not have the right. And if that person resists, force should be used to that. Now, ask yourself, is this something which is fair? Is, is, is something which is just? And is it something that you would want to see? Of course, the same people who talk about uh, police brutality and who talk about uh, uh, systemic uh, injustice and all that stuff, when it comes to these issues, the issue of individual rights, they're more than happy for the state to be able to use even leader force to promote things that they agree with. So, I mentioned Australia, and Australia is probably going to be next in uh, in this uh, in this uh, in this policy. And we hear it's very interesting to notice the language there uh, of what I would call the government the government academia complex. So what is usually happen is you have some scientists or academics pushing the agenda for stricter measures lobbying in a way for stricter measures. And then the government says, you see, the people have spoken, people are ready for stricter measures. So one of, uh, one of uh, the academics who is uh, consulting the government said, quote, sometimes the public is ahead of the policy, said that uh, professor. Cigarettes do not meet modern consumer product safety standards. And therefore she claims a ban would be justified. So cigarettes do not meet modern consumer product safety standards. A, we kind of already know that. Actually, we've known that smoking has been harmful since immemorable, immemorable times. But second, it does meet the stand, smoking does meet the standards of the people who decide for their own life that they want to smoke. So what does it mean that cigarettes do not meet modern consumer product, uh, product safety standards? And she continues, we need to start having the same conversations in Australia now because there are details that need to be considered. Again, when you hear we should be having these conversations, it means we already have a, made the decision, we have the agenda, and we need to start pushing it, uh, solving it down, down your throat. And notice that the, the issue here is there are some details that need to be taken into accordance. We have all agreed on the principle which is that since smoking is bad, the government has a role in banning it. And since we've agreed on principle, now let's iron the details. And she goes on. We don't want to criminalize people and we don't want people with addiction having difficulty quitting and finding an illicit supply. So if, you, if suffering is your claim, let's say you have an addiction, then you are to be respected and we need to think of the details. But for everyone else, there's, there's no issue here. Uh, we're going to take your cigarettes away. So we need to start doing research now and consulting on acceptable alternative options. So you see, my friends, the decisions have already been taken by this uh, academic who I see uh, is, called, is, is a tobacco expert, whatever that means. So the decisions have been made for you. And now all we need to do is consult an acceptable alternative option to smoking. By the way, very interesting, people who oppose smoking often also oppose vaping, which is way less harmful than, and I would say way less enjoyable, but that's my personal opinion, than smoking. Therefore, 
go figure. And one last thing. You probably have seen the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Is this fresh uh, face of politics, uh, a young, uh, liberal, progressive, uh, progressive woman who is, who is a model, we are told. We should also aspire that our leaders would be this way. One of the strictest lockdowns in the world and not the strictest tobacco regulation in the world. Now, imagine if such breach of people's rights would be done by, I don't know, let's say an Eastern European, an Eastern European uh, prime minister who has kind of more of this populist aura. Everyone would be indignant. But because most people agree with things like the smoking ban, now she is this this champion of authoritarianism in the West, she's, uh, she's applauded us, she's the new face of politics. And I see people on Twitter saying, oh, could, you, could, we, could, could we have a transfer? Like the same way we have a transfer in football, could we have a transfer in politicians and have her be our prime minister? Okay, let's have a short pause. By the way, it's going to be a very short episode today. Thank you very much, Bonnie. And Marilyn, thank you very much. Marilyn says, does anything meet modern consumer safety standards? That's a very interesting question. If, uh, if with today's standards, would we ever be able to have, for example, the progress in technology that we had in the beginning of the 20th century? There, uh, I would encourage anyone who has this question to go back to the episodes on the precautionary principle where we talked a bit more about that. And as parting words, I would say the, fo- the, the following. First of all, there's an interesting book by Christopher Snowdon, uh, the guy who works in the Institute of Economic Affairs, uh, on the history of smoking ban. It's called Velvet Glove Iron Fist, a history of anti-smoking. Velvet Glove Iron Fist. And there you see that this zeal against tobacco actually goes back to the 15th century. And actually uh, we, we see it also with religious fanatics, and we see it time and again that people, that the, that the authorities try to clamp down on smoking. And this made me think that it can't be just this thing that smoking is unhealthy, which again it is, and it's potentially deadly. There's something else. It's probably this idea of agency, this idea of enjoyment, this idea of enjoyment despite the bad results. So you you make the judgment, which again, quite often is irrational, which is, I know of the consequences and yet I take the decision that I will still do it. And this is something which is very, very, very unacceptable to a paternalist. This is very, very unacceptable to someone who believes that your life is their business. So there's this element in, in smoking and in the book, and in other pieces of research, you can see also people claiming that it's the issue also of enjoyment, that uh, it's almost smoking is a pure enjoyment without any end to it. And again, this is something which is very, very annoying to the Puritans and has been annoying to the Puritans throughout the, throughout the ages. And what Snowden says, and this is again... I disagree a bit because he takes the utilitarian approach. He says that what we do when we concede the smoking ban is that we will see more and more of these things happening with, I don't know, sugar, alcohol, unhealthy food. And of course, we see this already happening. We see 
uh, people want to impose a fat, a sugar tax, and uh, it's it's just a matter of time in many places in the world. So this is why I know that it's very difficult for many people to oppose the smoking ban because smoking is so harmful. But in a way, you have to. Because by conceding to the government the fact that, yeah, because smoking is banned, you have a right to impose such a ban, then you're conceding that, A, you don't have agency on yourself and your body. B, that property rights are just a, just a luxury, just a just an afterthought. And number, th- and number three, that it's okay to live in a sterilized and risk-averse society, that any risk has to be eliminated, that any risk has to be regulated. And if you are okay with these three, with the fact that, again, you cannot take this decision for yourself, this decision which basically says, I'm now an adult, this decision that says, now I'm capable of taking my life in my own hands, which includes making bad decisions, which includes making irrational decisions. You concede that. You concede the idea that a bar or a restaurant is private property, which means that if you go there, you have to abide by the rules of the owner. And people say, don't I have a right in a clean atmosphere in a restaurant? I'm sorry, but no, you don't. In the same way that you don't have a right in a restaurant that plays Greek partisan songs music, I mean, if there is one that provides it, good. In the same way, you don't have a right in a restaurant with, quote, clean environment, because you don't have a right to something that someone does not want to provide to you. Now, of course, empirically, we know that the market would provide that. So, for example, Starbucks were smoke-free way before the smoking ban, at least in Athens, and I'm sure in many other places in the world. So these are the things that you're giving up. And when you give up these things, then you see, for example, in the lockdowns that they can tell you, no, your bar is not a a vital business, or they tell you that your body is not really yours. Therefore, uh, if you don't vaccinate, you're going to have a penalty. And also that, how was the line last year? Even if we can save one life, again, this kind of risk aversion. So my final point would be that if you don't oppose the smoking ban, you don't really deserve the rest of your rights because it means you don't understand. And deserve, I don't mean they should be taken away. I mean, morally in terms of understanding them. I mean, morally, you're not capable of defending them. So that's why I think you should start. You should stand with people who oppose the smoking ban. And I wouldn't want to use the term smoker's rights. I hate this term. It's individual rights and it's property rights, which is part of individual rights. Okay, that will be all. Thank you very much, Jonathan. This is a, this is a generous uh, contribution. Thank you, Marilyn. Marilyn says, I'm glad I quit when it was my own choice. Yay for you. And I'm very glad that I've basically, gave up, gave, I've basically given up smoking many years ago. And one of the main uh, issues of tension I have with family members is that they still smoke. So I smoke once every couple of weeks, one cigarette. And I'm very happy that I've done so because it's a very bad habit. Having said that, I don't take anything away from what I said today. And I'm sure 
uh, you'd agree with that. And thank you again for your contribution. Thank you, Enric. Exactly. As Marion says again, she strongly opposes smoky parts. It's the property owner's choice. Exactly. It's the same way. If I say that uh, if you enter this bar, uh, there's going to be foul language. Or if you enter this bar, uh, our music sucks. It's the same way. You can say if you enter this bar, the atmosphere is going to be not clear. The atmosphere is going to be there's going to be smoke in the in the atmosphere. So that's all I had to that's all I had to say. And again, I don't want to tell. I told you so, but in a way, all of us who opposed the smoking bans before it was cool, we told you so. Thank you very much. I'm gonna be in Clubhouse for a few minutes. In, interesting to hear what are your what is your take on this topic, whether you think it's going to expand in the West even more beyond New Zealand and Australia. Looks like New Zealand and Australia is this incubator of hip and cool authoritarianism. So is it going to come to us? And I would say even if it does come to us, do we deserve any better in terms of how poor our understanding of our rights has been? Thank you very much. Talk soon. Bye.